Man. Well, I am obviously not Lynn, so let me just kind of tell you who I am. My name is Tim Veal. I'm the high school pastor here at Cornerstone. Uh, moved here about a year ago. Love the valley so far. We moved here from the great state of Texas, Lubbock, actually, Red Raiders. Yeah, three overtimes, but we pulled it out. Um, love being here in the valley. I've got three great kids, um, a ninth grade daughter who has changed how I do student ministry with her being in high school. We're talking a lot more about things that I never used to talk about. Um, I've got a 10-year-old son that's incredible, awesome blessing. Then I have a seven-year-old daughter who um, is basically God's way of paying me back for everything that I've ever done. I was talking to her the other day and she was informing that when she grows up, she's going to be a doctor, um, a veterinarian a lawyer, a singer, a dancer, a choreographer. And I was like, wow, that's a lot. And she goes, yeah, I'm going to be busy. And I was like, all right, knock yourself out, Hope. Um, but just great family. I'll be married 19 years this December. And that's been, man, so fun. Yes. Men, hear that as there is hope for you. If I can find somebody, God has somebody for you. It's possible. I've been in ministry now for 17 years. Um, and some of you guys are like 17 years. He started when he was two uh, no, thank you. I'm 42 years old. We've done this for a while and just love watching what God is doing, being in life in student ministry. We moved here, like I said, a year ago. Wife's a first grade teacher and Lynn was talking about today and kind of what we were going to talk about. And one of my passions is prayer. Um, I, I love prayer and I'm that weird guy that wants to pray for everything and prays pretty much as much as I can. And we were talking about Christian atheists and prayer and how most of us as believers have the same prayer life as people who don't even believe in God. And Lynn was like, man, would you speak? And I was like, I sure. Um, so I'm just as nervous to be here as you are to, to listen to me. Um, and we'll see what kind of what God does with that. So we're, we're looking at prayer and just as a really what prayer is in the church. And I think that honestly, one of the reasons prayer is so weird is because of us. Some of you have made prayer incredibly, incredibly awkward for people across the world. Because in some churches, and tell me if you've been in this church before, some churches get together in, in family units like this, and somebody says, hey, grab the person's hand beside you, and we're going to pray. Some of you guys have abused that so bad. Some of you pray for that opportunity, and you sit next to girls thinking, hey, if we hold hands in prayer, this is it. Um, <laughs> And you've taken something beautiful and you've just destroyed it. So before we dive into this, I just want to set the record straight. If you go to a church that says, hey, we're going to pray, would you grab your neighbor's hand? There's some guidelines for this that you need to be aware of. And maybe it's, we just don't know, but some of us do know and we're abusing it and it's got to stop today. When you are praying in corporate like this and you grab that neighbor's hand, you never interlock digits, <laughs> ever unless you are married to that person. If there is a ring on your finger and their finger, then this is perfectly legal. If not, don't do this. And under no circumstances, don't get this right here going. No. There is nothing going on that you need to get this thumb rubbing. Nothing. There is no need, no matter what's being prayed for, you just stop that immediately. If at any time your hands, if you're a sweater and the Holy Spirit just starts really working through you and you start to get sweaty, you need to let go immediately. <laughs> Wipe them dudes off. That's unsanitary. It's not good. Wipe them dudes off and then come back into prayer. And you're not like this. This is the correct way to hold hands when you pray. When you finish the prayer, you don't need to give it a squeeze. <laughs> I don't know if you've been in that person where they say amen and the guy's like, uh, and you're like, what just happened? Uh, don't, don't do that. 
when you're holding hands, and this is really important because some of you guys, you agree with what's being said and you like to verbalize that. That's good, man, that's great. I think that that honors God when we agree with what somebody's praying for us to agree with that maybe vocally. But when you are holding hands in prayer, you do not throw out Master P and start grunting. There is no need for you to start, uh, mm, oh, no. Unnecessary, don't do that. Just agree with God, maybe in that time, just in the presence of your mind. And then when you break and you're done, then you can start letting those noises flow just as much as they need to. Lastly, when you're doing this, this is important, there's a two-second, two-second break period in this. When that person says amen, you don't squeeze, you in two seconds have to let go. And if you need to count that out loud with one, one thousand, two, one thousand, I'm free. And even if you need to show them, you know, just, hey, I'm good. Just so everybody knows, because if you hold on for that for longer than two seconds, you just made everything that happened really weird. And men, this is not your opportunity to try to play that card with the lady that you just suddenly got to hold hands to. And you're spending that prayer time thanking God for you sitting where you sat today. And you're in that hand-holding moment and you're trying to get the digits interlocked and she's fighting it and you're praying for it to happen. And you're like, no. As soon as he says amen, you've got two seconds to break free or it becomes something that it was never meant to be. So now that we know that, we're gonna dive into what prayer is like. So I need you to grab your neighbor's hand and we're gonna, not really. Some of you are like, oh no. Um, Why have we made prayer so weird? Why have we taken this beautiful thing called prayer and we've really just made it just just weird. We've made it so uncomfortable for some of us um, and prayer has become so mystical for some of us. And what's crazy is I feel like some of us that would call ourselves believers or call ourselves Christians have the exact same prayer lives as people called atheists that don't even believe that God exists. I believe and honestly believe that some of us have the exact same prayer pattern as people who don't even believe in God. I think that for some of us, the only time that we pray is when things look crazy sketchy, when things are totally bleak, when nothing else has worked, we've tried everything else that we know, so I guess I should go to God. Everybody prays like that. Anybody can pray when times are tough, man, when you get home and work is just, let, you know, they just laid you off. When, when you get home and things at your house just aren't what they should be, when you get into a situation and they look horrible, everybody prays in those moments. My challenge for us is this today. What if we changed how we as Christians, how we as Christ followers prayed and our prayer life was more like someone who knows who God is and somebody who believes in God and bigger, somebody who believes in the power of prayer and less like people who don't even believe that God's real. I realize this is church and I thought about doing this and I kind of talked myself out of it. I I thought about saying, hey, how many of you believe in the power of prayer? And with this being church, I really think that, you know, it's kind of loaded odds. Everybody would raise their hand. Yeah, definitely, I believe in prayer. And that would be across the board. We would have almost everybody voting that direction. But then if we threw out, man, how many of us would say that we prayed five minutes last week? Or five minutes yesterday? Those hands probably wouldn't be up near as high. If I were to say, hey man, how many of us prayed maybe 30 minutes yesterday? It wouldn't be kind of that much. Some of us though, some of you guys have got this down and some of us would be like, dude, I prayed three hours today and and we've got it down and we understand how important that is. But if prayer is all that it's cut out to be, if prayer is as powerful as, as Jesus says that it is, and if prayer is as important as it should be in our lives, we should be spending more time praying. And I feel like the reason that, that we aren't seeing God do what we read about in his book is because many of us, 
just aren't praying right. Because I don't think that prayer is broken. I think that we're just not doing it right. And some of us are, man. Some of you guys are prayer warriors. And, I, and I've met, man, praise God, in the year that I've been here, I've had the opportunity of meeting you. And I know if I go with you is something that I know that you're going to be on your face. You're going to be praying for that and lifting that up. But some of us still are missing the boat on this incredibly beautiful gift. That's what we're going to look at today. And today what we're going to do is we're going to try to change maybe just a little bit some of the, the things that we pray about. So just, just for, um, I don't know, just, just for this morning. What if we stopped praying just when things were bad? What if, and this one's crazy, what if our prayer life was different than people that don't even believe in God? And this one's really sketchy. This one's nuts. What if we started to pray for God to change us and stopped praying for us to change God? What if, and, and I want to say that again because that's, that's out there, what if we stopped praying to try to change God's mind and we started praying for God to change ours? What would that look like in our lives? I feel like we would be different. Because um, here, here's a hint to successful prayer life. Start praying before things get bad. And then when they blow up, man, you're already in communication with God. Because like Lynn said last week, we are built to be in close proximity with Jesus. That's how we're designed. He actually desires, and, and let this sink in, because I think the reason that some of us don't pray is we don't think that we have anything that God would want to hear. Maybe there's something in your life, and maybe this describes you as a Christian atheist as to why you don't pray. Maybe it's just because you think that, man, I've got sin in my life. I'm, I'm dirty. I know some of the trash that I have to deal with. God doesn't want to talk to me. And everything about Jesus screams the direct opposite of that. The fact that he left heaven to come and be a part of this planet. The fact that he even invented this beautiful thing called prayer where we can communicate with the creator of the universe. Maybe for some of us, we've allowed sin in our life to push us away from God instead of allowing sin in our life to draw us closer to God. Because I don't know about you, but in my life, the sin that's in my life, it reminds me of the fact that I need something better because if, if I'm as good as it gets and what's around me is as good as this world has, then everything is pretty messed up and I want something better than that. So sin should draw us closer to God, not push us away. Some of us, we just honestly, we think that God's too busy to listen to our prayers. I mean, if you think about it, God's got like hurricanes and earthquakes and starving kids. He's got ax murders he's trying to deal with. He's got, man, all these things going on. Does he really have time to help me find a date for prom? Does he really have time to help me with my job? Does God really, with all the stuff going on in the world, can God really take time to stop making the grass grow and to stop making the sunshine and to make sure that the earth is on its axis so we don't plummet to our death? Does he really have time to keep away from that and make sure that I can find a place to work? And we just don't think that, man, maybe our problems are too small. Some of us, though, we, we just find prayer really boring. And we don't pray because it's boring. I mean, you just sit there. Usually when people pray around me, I doze off. And really, prayer is kind of Christian code for nap. And we just kind of, you keep your head bowed. And if, you, you know, you get the head nod going, you just end it with an amen. And they think you're really into it. <laughs> and prayers become boring to us. And let me just say this, man. If we can start to realize who we're praying to, Prayer suddenly is no longer boring, but it's something we can't get enough of because you realize that through prayer, you get to have a conversation with the God of all creation who's desperately desiring to talk to you. 
If that doesn't give you an excitement for prayer, um, I don't know what will. We're going to look at it today and we're just going to kind of dive into prayer. Before we do, I want us to pray just as a family and just ask for God to do something. So wherever you're at, we're not going to make it weird. Um, why don't you hold your neighbor's hand? Um, not really. We're not going to hold hands, but we're just going to pray and just ask God to do something crazy in this place that helps us understand prayer more. So pray with me. Jesus, thank you for today. God, thank you so much for loving us. God, thank you for an opportunity to gather together like this and to discuss um, what it means to pray. And God, to spend time, um, God, to spend time in your word, to spend time talking to you. Would you allow this moment, Jesus, to transform our minds and to take us away from maybe what prayer has become in our lives? And God, would you pull it into what you really meant for it to be? And God, as we look in your word and as we just spend the next few minutes together, God, I pray that, that we would all leave this place with a hunger and a desire to talk to you. And even bigger than that, God, we would, we would just crave hearing from you. So Jesus, we ask this in your beautiful and powerful name. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles, man, we're going to be in the book of John. John chapter 15. We're going to look through and kind of see what this is because for some of us, prayer has become more of a last response um, than a first, a first impulse. And if we're going to change this, we've got to start going to God first and not when nothing else works. So for many of us, it's become, you know, we've got to make prayer our first response and not our last resort. We've got to change that shift. Um, we've, we've got to go from this, and this has always puzzled me, man. We trust God with eternity. Why would we not trust him with the day-to-days of now? And let that question sink in for just a second. We trust God with our eternity. We trust God with this period of time that has no end. Why would we not trust God with the day-to-days of what's going on in our lives now? Why would we not go to him? and asking for things. Do you understand that even people who don't believe in God go to him when times are tough? Why don't we spend more time with God? It's something to be thinking about. We're gonna be in John 15, starting in verse seven. So pick it up in verse seven with me. It says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it'll be given you. And we've got to stop the bus for just a second because some of you guys were like, ask whatever you wish. And some of you were instantly just praying for like a new car or a new spouse or a new home or something. And that's totally not good. So you need to quit that right now. It says, ask whatever you wish and it'll be given you. But before we get to that promise, we need to back the train up just a little bit and see the clause that's before that. Because Jesus says this, he says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you. You see, the problem I feel like isn't prayer. I feel like the problem is us. I feel like we're so disconnected from God that what we're praying really isn't in line with what he wants in our life. Um, and, and we're just not connected. It, it's kind of like if you were to go home today and you were to turn on your TV to watch the Vikings just get destroyed by the cards, which we all know is going to happen. And you hit that power switch, man, you hit that power button and nothing happened. None of you would sit there and stare at your TV and go, hmm, I guess TV ran its course. And just like the eight track, it had a really good run. I wonder what's next. No, you would be ripping your house apart. You would be pulling wires out of the wall. You would suddenly be an engineer in your backyard, scaling fences to look at your dish. You would do anything possible with one hand on a cell phone, calling this company saying, hey, the kickoff is in 10 minutes. You better do something quick. Trying to figure out why your television isn't on programming TV programming the football game, letting you see what's about to take place. And as we started this conversation, as we started talking just a few moments ago, there are tons of different radio waves running through this room right now that could be on these screens. 
and they're not because these screens are tuned to pick up exactly what's being shown. I feel like prayer is the same way. We just haven't connected with God. And and for many of us, it's because we don't spend any time here to tune in and to hear what God has to say in our life so that we even know how to pray. It begins with you and, and me spending time in this. We've got to spend time in this book. How can we ask God to do something in our life when we don't even understand who God is because the only time we talk to him is when things are really terrible. And the last time we read this was Christmas or Easter. How can we expect to understand God? And, and I don't know if you see this, but Jesus says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, the way that you remain in Jesus, the way that you dwell in Jesus is not by spending as much time with him as people who don't even believe in him. But it's by you spending time in God's word. It's by you shaving time in your day to read this. It's by you spending time in your day to get on your face before God and just to to talk to him about your day. For us to remain in God and for him to remain in us is drastically gonna change because it gives us a moment where we start to think like God thinks and we start to blend our heart with God's heart and it starts to slowly change our thoughts and we slowly start changing changing how we're praying and we begin to stop praying for some things and we begin to start praying for other things and it's not because the situations have changed, it's because our minds and our hearts have changed. But the only place that that happens is when we remain in him and his words remain in us. If you're struggling spending more than five minutes a day in prayer or five minutes a week, I would almost bet a dollar it's because you're not spending more than five minutes a day or a week in this. And if we look at this promise, which is powerful, and this is a promise from Jesus that says, if we remain in him and his words in us, we can ask whatever we wish and it'll be given to you. And this isn't, please don't hear that Jesus is a genie where you can pull your Bible out, rub it a little bit and be like, Ferrari, and you've got a new car. Because that's not at all what Jesus is saying. If his words remain in us and we remain in him, we're gonna be so melted together. We're gonna start praying for things that God wants to do in our lives anyway, and we're gonna start to see answers to prayer. Look at verse eight. It says, this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. This is kind of weird, but do you understand that God wants to answer your prayers? God wants to do something so crazy in your life that it shows off his power just a little bit and people get to look at you and they think, wow, how is that possible? Because that points back to Jesus. He wants to answer our prayers. And I love how Jesus words it in verse eight. He says that this is to his father's glory so that we can bear much fruit showing ourselves to be disciples. This is what separates us from people who pray just when times are tough. I don't know what your prayer life is like, but... I grew up in church. (laughs) My dad was a pastor. My mom played the organ and the piano in church. Uh, I I feel like I was born in the choir loft. I feel like my entire life, my entire existence has been in church. And for the first, I don't remember how many years of my life, I prayed wrong. And don't get me wrong, it wasn't like dear Satan, nothing drastic like that. (laughs) Not, not, Not that wrong. It was just more me praying to try to convince God what I wanted instead of praying for God to convince me what he wanted. And I prayed like that forever and it affected my life because as I grew older and we got married, I I got to share the story of my son over um, New Year's. Um, Our son, who's 10, um, was given a 2% chance to live. 
He has a congenital heart defect called hypoplastic left heart syndrome, where instead of having four chambers to a heart, he has two. So he only has half of a heart. And I'm in ministry at the time, and I remember my son being born, and I remembered my wife and I praying for him and praying for God to do a miracle in his life. And God, this is what the doctors are saying, because we found out about five months into the pregnancy, and they started to tell us to get an abortion, and they started telling us to, man, just kill the baby, and we'll start again. Maybe you'll have a, you know, a healthy baby. And, and we started praying for a miracle that made our lives easier. And we begin to pray, God, show up, do something. Cause how, and, and we justified it by this. How cool would it be for God to fix him so that when he's born, we can go to the doctor's office and be like, hey, you don't know nothing. Look at this and show him off. And we, we thought, how cool of a miracle would that be? And so my wife and I prayed nonstop. We got friends together, man, pray for a miracle. Pray for his heart to be fixed. Two years after he's born, when he's had just having his third heart surgery, we're still praying God, do a miracle, man, and let him open his chest and his heart be totally whole. How cool of a miracle would that be? And we still hadn't really got it yet. And then it clicked in our lives for some reason because honestly, prayer became very, um, I became a mad prayer. I began praying angry because God wasn't answering the prayers that I was given to him. I don't know if that resonates with any of you where you've prayed for something so long and you've never seen an answer to it that you either give up or you just start to pray really angry, expecting God to respond maybe to that. And that's where we were at. We started just talking and my wife and I just in this moment of clarity for some, and I, I don't know how to explain it other than Jesus. We started changing how we were praying for our son. We started still praying for God to do a miracle because we still think that would be cool, but we started praying for him to be used. And we changed our prayers from God, heal his heart, make it whole to God. If you're gonna give him half a heart and this is his life, Allow that to wreck some people. Allow him to have such a voice that he can walk into a, a room and people will see you. And God, while you're doing that, would you be with us as parents? Would you give us clarity in how to raise him so that he knows what godly men look like, so that he knows what a godly family looks like? Would you give us the wisdom as parents to be a godly influence to him and not just to him, but to his siblings? And we slowly started to change how we were praying and we started to see some weird stuff happen in our son's life. As a first grader, we get a call from our school, our, our school and, and our son was really homebound for the first four years of his life. We start praying for God to use him and he suddenly gets to where doctors are like, yeah, send him to school. So he's in first grade, our teacher calls us and this is one of those moments where you as a dad, you're like, oh great. He either he's on fire or the school's on fire or somebody's like bleeding, there's something bad going on and she's like, no, everything's great. I just wanted you to know that your son came up to me and asked if he could share to his class about his heart. So I said yes, and he's been standing on his desk for the last 15 minutes with his shirt pulled over his head, <laughs> showing off a scar, telling his first grade class how that they have a heart that's broken just like his, and how that God came out of heaven and fixed his heart, and that if they'll let him, that God will come into their hearts and will fix their broken hearts just like he fixed his. As a first grader, we start to see things. God starts to put people in our life. That's just kind of weird. Being in ministry for so long, it's kind of neat to look back. And one of the guys was, he played guitar in this punk rock band that really wasn't very good. Um, and it was one of those high school students where you're really trying to encourage him. You're like, Josh, keep playing, dude, you got this. Um, and Josh grows up and suddenly decides that maybe punk rock isn't kind of where God's built him and he's, he's writing songs now. Josh Wilson, um, he writes this song called Before the Morning that's written about our son. 
and he's taking this song and, and it's being played over the, the radio. It's being taken in places and there's over 30, 60,000 hits or something like that on YouTube where they're singing this song about our son's heart and how God can give you hope for something more than just today. And this beautiful moment of now because of what God is doing in our son and because God chose to not answer my prayer, but to work in what he wanted in our son's life, this story now is going out all over the place and thousands upon thousands of families that are struggling with sick kids are hearing this story and having hope. Our son now is 10, and some reason is, is dead set on going to China. And I don't know why, but in his mind, he's got to get to China and tell them about Jesus because they need to know God. And as a 10-year-old, he's figuring out how he's going to get to China. And I'm sitting back with my wife, and I'm thinking, if God would have done what we wanted in that situation, yeah, it would have been a cool miracle at the time, and it would have made our lives very easy, but this wouldn't have happened. What if we stopped praying like the rest of the world. We stopped praying for God to remove us from situations and we started praying for God to use us in situations. And, and let this sink in for just a minute. Maybe the reason that you work for the person that you work for that you is, hate above everybody else in the world and is just the hardest boss to deal with, maybe God has put you in that situation because that person needs Jesus and God wants to use you to shine that light in his life. Maybe the reason that you live on the block that you live with the neighbors that are next to you and God has put you in that situation because that area needs people to shine for him. And instead of you praying for God to remove you from that, we should start praying for God to use us in that. One of the prayers that has drastically changed my life was not praying for God to remove this, but for God to make my back strong enough that I could, I could live this with honor and in a way that brings glory to him. And I've started to see answers to prayers. So I just want to throw this out there to you. What, what if, what if you changed how you prayed? Maybe you're in that relationship that you're in and you're in that marriage that you're in and praying for God to fix something in that is, is not the right approach. Maybe praying for God to use you in that is a better approach. Because what God is going to do in that situation is going to shine so bright for him, it's going to make other people struggling see him in that situation, and it's going to bring glory and honor to him. And other people are going to see who Jesus is because of how you act in that. It's just a thought. What if we stopped praying to be removed and we started praying to be used? Look at the next verse. Verse 9 says, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you, now remain in my love. And, and honestly, this verse has messed with my life. I mean, messed with, messed with me almost my entire life. As much as the Father has loved me, so I love you, now abide in my love. And, and this is nuts to me because I was that guy that, um, that struggled with God loving me because of the sin and the junk in my life. Um, growing up in church, uh, believe it or not, even growing up in church, I still felt really dirty standing before God. And I still struggled with prayer because I didn't want to go before God because I had to reveal how filthy I was in those moments. And honestly, I just got tired of going to God saying, hey, I'm really sorry. I'll never do this again. Oh, yeah. Hey, God, I'm really sorry. I'll never do this again. Oh, I mean it this time. Hey, God, I'm really sorry. I'll never do this again. And I, I allowed that sin instead of drawing me close to God, it pushed me away. And this verse found my heart and it says just as much as God in heaven loves me, that's how much I love you. Now abide in my love. And, and where this is going is Jesus is telling his friends, man, just as much as God loves Jesus, that's how much Jesus loves you. Now hang out with me. And, and let me reread this all in one breath so that maybe this will have more power to it. It says in verse seven, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, 
Ask whatever you wish and it'll be given to you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I love you. Now remain in my love. This December, um, I'll be married 19 years, which is nuts. It's gone by so fast and it's, it's amazing that, that Paula has put up with me for 19 years. For our anniversary on December 18th, if I were to go home and just say, you know, babe, we've, um, we've done this for a while now. You know, we can finish each other's thoughts. I pretty much know what you're thinking. You know what I'm thinking. You know what I'm going to do. I'm, you know, 19 years is a long time to spend with somebody. I know what you're going to do. From now on, just to save time, I really don't want to hear from you unless it's an emergency. <laughs> if the house is on fire, one of the kids are on fire, dogs on fire, lots of fire happened in my life. If there's something going on, that's an emergency. I'm going to need it. But if not, we're just, we're going to spend these next 19 years in silence. These next 19 years would be brutal if they lasted more than 19 minutes. Because I don't know how, men, I don't know how your world works, but if I were to even start that conversation with my wife, it would end before I finished. <laughs> and it should. Do you understand the rest of the world doesn't spend time talking with God? Why should we who call ourselves Christ followers not spend time talking with God. How heartless would I be to go to my wife and say, hey, the only time I'm gonna to talk to you is in an emergency. Do, do you understand the reason that we've lasted 19 years? Is because we've talked nonstop through those 19 years. Because we've, we, and I want, this is what's so weird to me, I actually want to talk to her. I want her to talk to me, I wanna know what's going on, I want to be able to come home and be able to have that conversation where we spend time with each other how heartless would it be for me to go into that environment and just say, yeah, unless it's an emergency. But we do that with God. We go into a God that's passionately chased us and loves us just as much as he loves Jesus. And we only go to him when it's an emergency. We only go to him when it's rough. We only go to him when everything else hasn't worked. We go to him the exact same time in the exact same way People who don't even believe in God go to him. If we really believed that prayer was all that God is saying it is, if we really believed this, if we really believed that we can go to God and ask whatever we wish, do, do you think that this means, like, that this doesn't mean getting new things, this means us having a better marriage. I think it honors God for us to have a marriage that honors God. So going to God, praying for that is, is something that God, I think, is waiting for, and he's waiting for us to ask that. He's waiting for us to go to him and pray for a better family, to pray for us to, to be better parents, to pray for us to be better kids, to pray for us just in general. I, I feel like God is waiting for us to do that. And those are prayers he's wanting to answer because just like verse 8, this brings glory to him, and it gets to show off to the rest of the world who we get to call his dad. Why don't we spend more time in prayer? If we really believe in it, if we really believe that it's the power to change things, why don't we spend more time talking to God? Better yet, what's keeping us from spending time with God? And some of you, I get this, you don't spend time talking with God because maybe you don't even know who he is. And maybe that fact is because like verse nine, you don't understand how much he loves you. Maybe the reason you don't spend time in prayer is because the junk that's in your life. And right now you're going, but Tim, hold up. You really don't know me. 
You don't know what I've done. You don't know my past. You don't know my history. And yeah, I don't, but I do know this. Just as much as God in heaven loves Jesus, that's how much Jesus loves you. And so for you to sit there and think, man, I can't go to God because I've got this baggage, I've got this trash, I've got all this junk that's in my life, and God would never want to talk to me. You need to understand that just as much as God in heaven loves Jesus, that's how much Jesus loves you. And if you can get this one truth wrapped and just wrap your mind around it, that God loves you, not because of you, but because of him, it will radically change your life and it will make you have a desire to spend more time in prayer than people who don't even believe in God. And maybe today that's exactly why you're here. Maybe it was just to hear that one truth, the fact that Jesus loves you and God loves you just as much as he loves Jesus and his whole desire is just for us to spend time together, just to abide and to hang out with him. What, what would your house look like if your family devoted themselves to prayer and you guys started seeking God together as a family and started praying? What would your neighborhoods look like if you opened your house up to people and allowed them to come into your house and pray for your neighborhood, for your neighbors, for your city? What would this church look like if you opened your home up and started bringing people into your house, praying for God to do something, not just in Cornerstone, but in the valley, praying for God to just do something crazy and for people to radically be saved and for us to see some of the miracles that this book talks about? What if you opened your home up to some of that? My wife and I opened our house up every Monday night from 7.30 to 8.30 for high school students and college students to come and just to pray. And we've seen some of the coolest prayers answered. We've seen high school students give their lives to Christ and go home and tell their parents and bring their parents the next week and their parents accept Jesus the next Sunday. We've seen some of the coolest examples of just answered prayer. And it's not because we're doing it right. It's because we're getting together and we're praying. And when you read this book, one thing you'll notice about Jesus is every time he's going to pray, man, there's not every time, but almost every time he goes off by himself and he prays. And it's usually when God's about to do something really big in his life. And then you get to the book of Acts. And it's when the church is getting started and you see God just start to do some really crazy things. And you see groups of people getting together and praying. And my take on that is this. If you want God to change your life, spend time alone in prayer. If you want God to change your city, spend time in a community in prayer. What's keeping you from spending time talking to the creator of the universe that desperately wants to hear from you? And will you leave this place changed because I feel like we were, built, we were built to fly. We were built for so much more than what we're doing. And when you're built to fly, even running really fast isn't all that impressive. What's going to keep you from spending time with the creator of the universe today? Pray with me. Jesus, um, Honestly, God, I don't, I don't understand why you want to talk to me. God, I don't understand why you desire to have a conversation with me. Um, honestly, God, I, I struggle with the direct opposite of that. Um, God, I would think that because of who I am, you would desire to talk to anybody else in the world but me. But God, according to what your word says, this beautiful thing, Jesus, that, that just as much as God loves you, that's how much you love me. And, and Jesus, there's truth in that. And there's truth in the fact that you have a, an... God, you have a desire to have a conversation with us. So God, personally, would you just forgive me of the times that I made prayer weird? Or God, for the times that I stopped praying for 
for whatever, God, and I, I prayed to try to change you instead of praying for you to change me. Jesus, would you forgive me of the times that I've allowed the sin in my life to push me away from you instead of to draw me close? And God, right now, for the people that are in this room, Jesus, would you just allow, God, would you just allow the hunger for prayer to overtake us? God, would you give us a desire like never before to speak to you and to be changed by you? And God, for the people in this room that feel like they're too dirty to talk to you, that you would never want to talk to them, God, I just pray that the truth of what you said in John would ring so true in their ears, God, that it would be like a light bulb going off in their life, that God, the truth that just as much as God in heaven loves you, Jesus, that's how much you love us, I pray that that would ring true in our lives today. God, make us a people of prayer, and I just, I ask that you would do something mighty in this place because people start to seek you.